brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Francis tried to pull a fast one, a fraud, on both the leaders of the so-called ancient traditional religions of the world and on those of us watching his every move at the very end of his trip to Kazakhstan last week. Either he really didn't care what the leaders of the other religions would think and was using them for publicity, or thinks a Catholic laity aren't bright enough to notice when he's doing something shady. Pick one because those are really the only options here, or maybe both of them are true. Headline from LifeSite News. Documents saying God wills differences in religion was quietly changed just hours after Pope signed it. In Kazakhstan, Francis doubled down on the heresy that he put his name to, that he signed in 2019 in the now infamous Abu Dhabi Declaration. That caused almost as big of a stir in the Catholic world as Amoris Laetitia and its changes to marital morality and worthy reception of the Eucharist. I reported on that in brief on Friday, but a copy of the document really wasn't available at the time that I made that video, but now it is, though I'm not going to read the thing verbatim to you. This is usual universalist drivel that tries to turn Jesus into a liar because Jesus said in inerrant scripture that he was the only way to the Father, that no one comes to the Father except through him. The modernists love calling Jesus the privileged path to salvation and giving us all kinds of mental gymnastics about why other creeds really have Jesus in them somewhere, despite elsewhere in the Bible the apostle warning us rather explicitly that all the gods of the Gentiles are in fact devils. Scripture is pretty clear about this, but Francis rejects that, as do all the modernists. When he did this in 2019, Bishop Schneider wrote a scathing letter publicly correcting Francis. You should expect another one of those in the coming days, I suspect, if if not from him, then absolutely from Vigano. The document he signed also endorses the secular obsession with the flesh and all things about the flesh being relative, meaning that you and I can choose to dictate the reality of the flesh regardless of, you know, little intangible things like genetics and biology and anything that science might actually have to say about that, though oddly no one else seems to be commenting on that. From LifeSite, quote, In a peculiar turn of events, the ecumenical declaration read out and signed by Pope Francis at the Seventh Congregation of Leaders of World and Traditional Religions held in Kazakhstan has since been changed. The original version appeared to go against Catholic teaching, and it is not known if Pope Francis agreed to the updated version. The original version of the declaration was read aloud by Anglican prelate Dr. Joe Bailey Wells in front of assembled leaders of the Congress, including the Pope. It was also live-streamed by media outlets, including Vatican News and EWTN. Paragraph 10 of the document originally read, quote, We note that pluralism and differences in religion, skin color, gender, race, and language are expressions of the wisdom of God's will in creation. Thus, any incident of coercion to a particular religion and religious doctrine is unacceptable. Emphasis in original. As LifeSite noted earlier today, this passage echoed Pope Francis's Abu Dhabi document word for word, a document which faithful Catholics expressed strong concerns about. It's putting it mildly, LifeSite. It was even described at the time of publication as seeming to, quote, overturn the doctrine of the gospel. However, Following the live streaming of the document's pronouncement and its subsequent publication on the Congress's website, the document was updated some hours later. The new passage now reads, quote, 
Queen hoped that pluralism in terms of differences in skin color, gender, race, language, and culture are expressions of the wisdom of God in creation. Religious diversity is permitted by God, and therefore any coercion to a particular religion and religious doctrine is unacceptable. Emphasis in original. The new text expresses a significant change in the theology of the document. <laughs> End quote. Again, that's putting it mildly. LifeSite has sometimes a talent for understating things. Now, the article goes on to note that Deacon Nick Donnelly asked Francis on Twitter why the document was changed. Deacon Nick noticed this change pretty much as soon as it was released because, like a lot of us, he was watching these proceedings rather closely. The document was changed while Francis was on his flight back to Rome, and it is unknown at this time if he authorized the changes that were actually made to the document, or for that matter, if the other signatories of the document authorized the changes to it, because I guess no one bothered to ask them. Now, this is Rome, and almost certainly Francis pulling a fast one on the faithful to cover up his heretical view of universalism. Remember, universalism is a heresy. It denies the salvific nature of Christ on the cross and denies that Christ is the only means of salvation. That's heresy. It's apostasy. Why would Francis do this? And if you're asking that question of yourself, welcome to the crisis in the church. Francis has a long and sordid history of denying aspects of the faith for any number of reasons and doing so very publicly. What Francis has done during his time running the institutional church has been nothing short of denying the divinity of the church. The core claims of the church is having been founded by Christ on the rock of Peter and the necessity of membership in the church to attain salvation. And I'm not the only one who's noticed this either. A secular outlet is calling Francis to account over this in a story about the church abandoning its fundamental beliefs in favor of the ideology and goals of the elites. That's actually what all this is really about anyway. Francis wants to change the faith to make it acceptable to the church's adversaries in the secular world. Those people who would welcome with open arms the Antichrist when he eventually arrives. The article I'm referring to here comes from Human Events, and I ask you where the author is wrong in his assessment of news I mentioned two weeks ago, where a high-ranking prelate stated that the church is no longer fighting against the Moloch ritual in Italy, calling that abominable evil, that one of the un, undebatables and important part of the fabric of society since Italy sort of made normal the procedure in 1978. From that article, quote, I had Vatican official stunned Catholics on Italy, our Italian television, August 26th. In doing so, he confirmed the Catholic Church's retreat from one of its fundamental moral positions. Cardinal Vincenzo Paglia, president of the Pontifical Academy for quote-unquote life, announced on an interview program that the Catholic Church had no interest in opposing Italy's law allowing the Moloch ritual. Indeed, while encouraging more women to have children, Paglia called the law, quote, a pillar of our social life. I believe that at this point, the law... 194 is a pillar of our social life, Paglia said. In my opinion, and I have written as much, I would like to see more emphasis on the part that is hardly spoken of, namely the right to motherhood, to see our country grow in the face of the drama of a generational imbalance that is quite dramatic. Let that one, uh, you know, marinate in your mind for a while. When the interviewer pressed Paglia about whether Law 194 was up for debate, the Cardinal replied, no, absolutely not. The fact that the president of the Pontifical Council for Life would praise such a law as especially stupefying since Pope John Paul II founded the council specifically to combat Moloch. 
Yet Paglia's comments supporting both motherhood and a law that mitigates against it betray more than a lack of logic. They represent an alarming trend. Under Pope Francis, the Catholic Church has effectively abandoned its traditional opposition to this evil to concentrate on Francis's Laudato Si and Fertility 2D programs. That trend in turn epitomizes the Vatican's embrace of secular materialist ideology, and mostly, quote, uses a lot of uh, words our lovely and fair hosts don't particularly like. But where's the author wrong? The author goes on talking about after Archbishop Cordelione barred Moloch supporting politicians in his diocese from receiving the Eucharist, the Vatican issued a statement using secular language for the first time in the history of the Vatican to describe those who support Moloch and in so doing told the bishops of the U.S. not to bar people from Holy Communion over this topic. That letter, as the author points out, is a violation of canon law and of the most basic tenets of Catholic morality and of common sense surrendering the church's moral authority over to the secular world. That article notes that shortly after the Vatican stated that, that no one should be denied communion and that we need to have an entire gospel of Christ worldview in mind and not just be focused on the Moloch ritual, the Vatican then hosts two conferences that enca encapsulated perfectly Francis's vision as outlined in Laudato Si, his encyclical on all things green and creation and Fratelli Tutti, Francis's encyclical on economics. Both documents are so secular that when I read them, frankly, they read like documents I've read on a daily basis in my PhD program in public policy and sustainable development. The next part is the hard part, though, here for people to accept, because it's easy for me to tell you Francis did this. The problem is he's not the first papal claimant to make the case. He's continuing the work of both Paul VI and Benedict XVI, who pushed hard for similar things. They're not in ways as blatantly evil as Francis and the work he does, since neither of them pushed for the Moloch ritual to be accepted in the church and move past that issue. From that article, quote, Yet Francis is no outlier. He represents the logical consequence of the Vatican's embrace of secular materialist, materialist ideology, which began at the Second Vatican Council, held from 1962 to 1965, to help the Catholic Church confront the modern world. Quoting Paul VI here, all things on earth should be related to man as their center and crown, declared Gaudium et Spes, sorry, a pastoral document on politics and economics. Society, therefore, must provide, quote, everything necessary for leading a life truly human, such as food, clothing, and shelter. Two popes expanded that appeal by advocating a centralized authority over the world. In 1967, Paul VI called for international agencies to manage the world's economic and political development. Quoting Paul VI now. Such international collaboration certainly calls for institutions that will promote, coordinate, and direct it until a new juridical order is firmly established and fully ratified, Paul VI wrote in his encyclical Populorum Progressio. We give willing and wholehearted support to those public organizations that have already joined in promoting the development of nations, and we ardently hope that they will enjoy ever-growing authority. And here's the bitter pill for many people. In 2009, Benedict XVI went even further. In his encyclical Caritas et Veritate, Francis's predecessor demanded that the UN govern international and domestic econ economics. Quoting Benedict, there's a strongly felt need for a reform of the UN and likewise of economic institutions and international finance so that the concept of the family of nations can have real teeth, Benedict wrote. 
to manage the global economy, to bring about integral and timely disarmament, food security, and peace, to guarantee the protection of the environment, and to regulate movement. For all this, there is urgent need of a true world political authority. Such a body, Benedict wrote, must, quote, have the authority to ensure compliance with its decisions from all parties in its quest to, quote, establish the common good, which Benedict defined as, quote, directed global economy designed to, quote, open up the unprecedented possibility of large-scale redistribution of wealth on a worldwide scale. That goal includes, quote, a worldwide redistribution of energy resources so that countries lacking those resources can have access to them, Benedict wrote. End quote. For those who constantly push me about why I don't engage with the Benedict is the real Pope question, that's a big reason why. On many of the fundamentals, he was no better than Francis. Now, of course, there are differences, obviously, in the liturgy and the Moloch ritual things. But those are documents. Those quotes come from documents of Francis's predecessors, and they should be accepted as actually having been made. I know because I've read them, and the implications really to people should really wrestle with them. Francis has always said that he's nothing more than the continuation of the work of his predecessors on many things. And Benedict said the same thing, actually. The difference here might be on the liturgy and again on the Moloch ritual, but in every other way, in all the most scandalous things he's done, he is in perfect harmony with all of his predecessors going back to John the 23rd. That's why his claim about making true will of Vatican II a reality should be taken very, very seriously. He should be taken seriously on that, and people should take seriously that if he's just the most obvious manifestation of modern errors we've had since the council, then maybe, just maybe, we should think long and hard about the implications for the state of the church and stop paying attention to people who want to cause division among the ranks of those of us who have been labeled as quote-unquote traditionalists for simply wanting the same faith, same morality, and same worship as our ancestors in the faith did. Don't be surprised when Francis signs openly heretical documents for the world to see. It's just the latest move by Francis to really push the ape of the church, that single religious authority for all humanity that subsumes all religions into one. Erasing all truth claims, all these competing truth claims just get erased in the process and lumped into some parody of a religion. Pope St. Pius X warned about this more than 100 years ago, and numerous mystics warned that it would happen before him. Folks, it's arrived being constructed now for the whole world to see. And our answer and response is to keep the faith, become saints, and push the better bishops of the church to do something about it, even if those prelates aren't exactly perfect themselves. Hence why I feature writings from the likes of Cardinal Mueller, who is far from perfect and is a confused conservative modernist himself. He's been well-documented as saying some pretty bizarre things that are violations of the faith. But the better bishops really are the only ones who can do something about all this. And I'm curious what you think about these stories, though. Do you see how they're connected? Do you see how the, what the hermeneutic continuity really is? Should we expect Vigano and Schneider and Mueller and the others to respond to Francis's latest statement in the coming days? Let me know your thoughts on all that in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As does sharing these messages on social media, that helps a lot as well. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.